Hey everybody, welcome to Hard Times Strong Men Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the principles of being mentally tough, physically strong, and morally straight. Buckle up because we've got a good one for you today. This is Hard Times Strong Men, and today we wanted to get into being mentally tough, physically strong, and morally straight, what we believe to be the baseline of everything that we do. You can have the kit, you can have the knowledge, you can have the network, but if you don't have those three things, you're not going to be effective. But before we get into that, we want to talk about our previous episode, our pilot episode, and we got critique, we got feedback. The three main things that we wanted to address were people mentioned that we were referencing acronyms, we were, rec- or we were referencing uh, pieces of kit, things that the general populace would not know, and we didn't explain ourselves. So in the future, we're going to be better about that because we're not just trying to reach former military. We're not trying to reach just military people, past, present, future. We're trying to reach everybody because we're trying to bring the standard of everybody up. So what we mean by mentally tough, physically strong, and morally straight, where I get that wording is when I was in the army, we had a couple of creeds that, that we learned. And which creeds are those? One being the infantryman's creed, two being the ranger creed. And we'll go into these all in depth, but being mentally tough, having your resiliency, being able to handle adversity, handle the the situations that life throws at you, and to be able to keep going. Physically strong, being able to do all the tasks that are required of you, demand of you in your daily life plus some because we're talking about trying to get ready to prepare yourself for the worst that life could throw at you and the worst that other people can throw at you and if you're not an asset to your network if you're not an asset to your family then that would make you a liability and someone's gonna have to pick up your slack and morally straight if you don't have a good why for why you're doing things, if you're not good in your head and your body and your heart, then you're not going to be effective and you're just going to cause more stress on yourself and others. Right, so let's get into the first one. Let's get into what it means to be mentally tough. So what is being mentally tough? The very book definition of this is that it is the ability to resist manage and overcome doubts, worries, concerns, and circumstances that prevent you from succeeding or excelling at a task or towards an objective or performance outcome that you set out to achieve. I mean, along those lines, you think of mental resiliency. What am I talking about there? I'm talking about overcoming failure, realizing that failure is not the end of everything. It is the mindset that you just keep going, keep pushing through to the objective. Let's talk about someone who has done something like that in history, Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison never admitted to failing. He found a thousand ways 
that a light bulb didn't work. So he failed a thousand times before he finally succeeded. But he didn't see it that way. He saw it as finding a thousand ways that a light bulb didn't work. And that is an amazing mindset. Even though he was fired from his previous job for being, quote, non-productive, here he is inventing stuff that we still use today. Look around you. How many light bulbs do we have? This guy tried a thousand times to make something like the very light bulb in your ceiling fan before he finally got one to work. Mentally tough people have 13 habits that allow them to be such. First one, they love a good challenge. Second, they practice true commitment. Third, they focus on what is in their control. And a lot of people fail at this one. It's so easy to focus on what you can't control and try to change that and try to control that and mold every little thing to what you want. But all it's going to do is cause you to fail harder. Focusing on what you can control just allows you to skew the outcome in your favor without having to stress and worry about everything else. Number four, they thrive on adversity. Number five, they understand the importance of emotional intelligence. Oh my God, how many people today do not understand what emotional intelligence is? There is no shortage from what I've seen in society of people that are emotionally stunted, so to speak, emotionally immature. It's probably a better phrase. Being emotionally intelligent just allows you to interact with people in a way that's probably more professional and allows you to see things from their point of view. Number six, they show true confidence. Number seven, they embrace change. They let things roll off their back. They roll with the punches. You know, it's it's all about being flexible. Number eight, they know that fear only leads to regret. I mean, this sounds like something out of Star Wars with, you know, the Jedis, but it's true. It's true in real life. Fearing something will only lead you to regretting that you didn't take an option. Like, how many times in life have you regretted not doing something, not experiencing something, not saying something, not doing something? It's it's so widespread in today's society that it's it's truly, truly painful to actually sit back and remember things that you just regret. Number nine, they view failure as fuel for their journey. I mean, that is rock fuel right there. You fail, that should only push you on. It should just make you want to succeed even more. Reframing. Yeah. So I've got a couple. I mean, I've got a uh, example on a slightly smaller scale, but I've got two little humans that are about to be running around and watching my oldest learn how to walk. I can't tell you how many times he, you know, fell over sideways on his butt, but everybody has to learn how to walk. Everybody fails at some point and you can't, you can't be good at tasks. You can't be good at something without failing at it in obscene amount of times, but you don't think about it. Nobody thinks about when they were first learning how to ride a bike because everybody freaking hates it. But as soon as you learn, you never forget. Number 10, they learn from the past, but they don't dwell on it. So many people have a cloud hanging over them. 
because of their failures. It's just, it's emotional baggage, it's mental baggage, and it can drag you down in life. You just got to get past that. You got to find a way to push through that and continue on. Number 11, they engage in physical and mental wellness. Oh my gosh, we're going to get in on into mental health in another series, but we're going to touch on it right now because there are so many people going through life right now that view mental health as a taboo thing. They view it as weakness, and that's just not the case. Everybody is dealing with something. I don't care who it is. There is something going on in somebody's mind that allows them to not be them true, their true self. Uh, I've gone through it. I'm a seven. I know you've gone through it. And there, we saw so many guys in the army that you could just tell. You could tell that they were going through something. You could tell that they were just not at their best. That they were carrying something. They wanted to talk about something, but they couldn't because. In the Army, at least I don't know if things have changed now, but back when we were in, if you went to behavioral health to try to seek you know, some kind of help for your mental health, you were almost guaranteed to get kicked out of the Army, especially if your command found out, which they will. They would. You see shit. You hear shit all the time. As an infantryman, especially, especially if you get deployed to a combat zone. In Afghanistan, there was so much shit that I wish I could forget, but I can't. And I wish coming back that I could have gotten help, but I knew that if I did, I was getting kicked out. And that's something that we hope to change. But again, that's something we'll talk about in a later episode. Number 12, they crave feedback and constructive criticism. So many people take these two things personally. And that's not the right way to do it. That will that is only a hindrance to you mentally. You can't do that. You have to be able to take this and be like, "All right, thanks, man," and use it to your advantage because that's what it is. There's not a lot of people out there who are just and want to see you fail. Don't get me wrong. There are plenty of them out there, but it's not as many as you think. True friends, true supportive friends, coworkers, loved ones do not want to see you fail. They want you to go out there and absolutely wreck whatever you try, whatever you come up against. Those that don't, you don't need to be around. You need to cut your losses with them and just cut them out. You know, not even on, on as grand a note, um, you mentioned mental resiliency. So when we were deployed, a constant stressor was taking incoming mortar or rocket fire. And the I remember the first week was pretty stressful <laughs> because every time that you know, I heard that, uh, 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 you know, that alarm go off. You knew that something was coming in. You didn't know where it was going to land. You didn't know if it was your turn or somebody else or if it would even hit the base at all. They were pretty crappy shots. But eventually, I didn't even really care anymore. I mean, there was one time where I was taking a shower 
I heard the alarm. I didn't even get out of the shower because I knew I'd have to get into full kit, run down, you know, make sure everyone knew where everybody else was at. And, you know, if you're worried about every little thing, you know, you weren't going to have a, you weren't going to have a great time. I remember one guy specifically, he started counting down the days until we were going to go home the day that we got there. And, you know, maybe that was, you know, therapeutic for him, but for me focusing on, on, you know, when we would go home just wasn't, wasn't it. Hell, when I first got into the army, while I was in processing, I had a sergeant taking care of us, a, a leader, a leader taking care of us. And in one of his, you know, more personal talks with us, he, he said that you have to have the mentality that you're going to die there. You had to be of the mentality that you, you know, weren't coming back, that when you deploy, when you left, you weren't coming home, not in a, you know, in a, you know, strictly, you know, morbid sense or, you know, you have to, you know, go off and be Rambo, but just being secure in that, knowing that for a fact, not having that doubt in your mind so that you can focus on the mission instead of not dying. Your your physical health, your mental health, your spiritual health, they're all equally important. If one of those is out of whack, if one of those is lacking, it's going to affect the other two. And like you said, we're going to cover this in another episode, but I just wanted to throw a quick word out there for anybody suffering, you know, from, from a mental health, you know, potential crisis or just, you know, you can call it a rut, you call it a, you know, a deep place, dark place, whatever. Um, the world is better with you in it. Full stop. So if you're thinking about harming yourself, if you're thinking about killing yourself, if you're thinking about closing that chapter on yourself seek help we're going to put a link in the you know at the end of this episode our job is to try to take care of people and you can't take care of people if you're gone yeah and you can't take care of other people if you can't take care of yourself exactly and i'm just going to put this out there for anybody that needs it the national suicide prevention hotline is 1-800-273-8255 for veterans the crisis line 1-800-273-8255 press one thank you I have friends who've suffered from depressive episodes, from suicidal ideation. I've suffered. I have suffered from the same. This isn't something to take lightly. This isn't something to brush off. This isn't something that can't happen to you. The world that we live in completely ignores mental and emotional health, and that's not right. We're people. We're we're all three, all three together. They're all equally important, and. We need to take care of all of it. So carve out time. Do what you got to do. Take care of yourself. And talking mental health reminds me of a quote that I remember from the HBO series Band of Brothers. It was said by one Captain Ronald Spears, who ended up being the commanding officer of Easy Company. He happened upon a young private during an offensive after D-Day. The private had been having issues freezing up, hiding his foxhole, basically just being unable to acclimate to the horrors that he was facing. Captain Spears told him, the only hope you have is to accept the fact that you're already dead. 
the sooner you accept that, the sooner you'll be able to function as a soldier is supposed to function, without mercy, without compassion, without remorse. All war depends on it. That mentality is one that probably the most effective soldiers share. I know I went into Afghanistan already thinking that I was already dead. I was convinced that I was not coming home. And I knew that once I had that mentality, I was going to be fine. I was going to be able to function as a soldier should. But taking that mindset also f***ed me up pretty good in the head. I came back and was unable to shake that mentality. And I know it affected my relationships, my friendships, my overall mentality towards everything and everyone around me a little bit more about my service i never saw a firefight right but the the rockets the mortars the what we call indirect fire that was a pretty pretty much a constant thing um and before i kind of you know acclimated to that numb myself to that i just got got caught in this idea this headspace of who the fuck are you to shoot a rocket at me the hell did i do to you you know someone seriously someone put that fucking that device in a fucking tube and shot at me and you know the beauty of you know indirect fire is you don't have to target a specific person so a lot of that uh you know moral you know guilt goes away right but it felt really personal at the time like you said getting out of that mental headspace for for me it was i didn't have any goals when i got back you know, you're, you're given this gift afterwards of, oh, holy shit, I get to go home. You know, not a lot of guys got, you know, were able to say that way back when, right? We know a lot of people who didn't get to say that. You know, me not, me not personally, I know you do. And that's a hell of a thing. So getting in that mental headspace of, all right, that was the last time I'm going to see my family. Whatever, this is the last time I'm going to touch American soil. You go over there, you stick in that headspace for nine months, and then you come home and you're kind of lost. If I trained for years to go out and do this, I go out and do this, and then that last bit doesn't work out, what then? I didn't set any five-year goals. I didn't have any long-term goals. Because I knew between now and nine months from now, I at some point, I was going to be dead. And it didn't matter. What do you what do you do with that? You know, there's a joy with that, but also there's a you know, there's there's a grief with that. As strange as that as that is to say, it's a complete you know, I keep saying the word reframing, but you completely have to change your way of thinking when that happens. And it does, it messes you up. Because you you weren't supposed to come back, but then you did. Now what? You know, you're right. Uh, Something like that can happen all of a sudden. Because we do, you know, sign on the dotted line. We write that blank check at a cost of our own life. And it took me years to get out of the headspace that I was already dead. And the disappointment that 
I had coming back from Afghanistan, having not fulfilled that headspace that I was in. And I hate to say disappointed, but, you know, it is what it is. You go over there, you do a job, you expect an ending, and it doesn't happen. A lot of people are overjoyed to come home for their families, and a lot of those guys are the ones that haven't gotten themselves into the headspace of, I'm here to do a job. If I die, I die. A lot of those guys are coming back and being relieved, thankful, excited to see their families. A lot of the other guys are who are in that headspace just come back and don't know how to function. And you mentioned indirect fire in the past, and that kind of reminds me of one of the situations that I found myself in. You know, I had gone to my room to get something. I can't remember exactly what, but it doesn't matter. And I was coming down the ladder, the stairs, sorry. And that bordered on our helicopter landing zone. And as I was coming down and turning the corner, I look over and see a a buddy of mine sitting on the wall right by the fueling point where we fueled up all of our vehicles. And it was a big fueling point too. So it had a lot of fuel in it because we had a lot of trucks that we needed to fuel. Anyway, I see him. I kind of wave at him. And as I do, the incoming sirens go off. And being in the headspace that I've been in for that long, it's just been like, whatever. You know, nobody ran for the bunkers anymore. It was... Pretty much, like you said, a daily thing. And I looked up and I saw what looked like basically an eclipse. And I was like, huh, there's no way that that's... And the thought didn't even get out of my mind when that thing slammed, slammed into those HESCO barriers. The uh, the metal framework with fabric inside of them that we piled dirt into to make like uh, makeshift walls, essentially. Anyway, it slammed in that Hesco barrier and put me on my ass. If that thing had hit six feet south, so basically the other side of the Hesco barrier, it would have hit the fuel point. And it would have vaporized me. It would have vaporized my buddy. It would have vaporized two guard towers. It would have probably taken out the barracks. And I sat on my back, just looking up like, am I dead? Did that really just happen? Is this how I'm going out? I get killed by a rocket? But then once I heard my buddy running, I snapped out of it, got up, and that is the fastest I ran to get the hell out of Dodge. Because you never know when a second one could be coming in. And that instance was more than enough for me to experience what I thought was the ending of that mentality, but also the relief that it wasn't. Because yes, I was okay with dying, but I was also really wanting to just keep doing my job, to keep being an effective soldier, an effective infantryman. I never had anything hit close to me, but I was in my tower one night and it surprised me because we never really got hit at night. But it was it was dusk, and the sun was going down. I was watching it go down, and then I heard the whistle when it flew when it flew over my head. The 
oh shit, and then it hit. <laughs> That's never, it's never been that close before. They're getting better. You know, I wonder if that was the same one. Was it? Yeah, because I think you were with the ODA guys, and I was still mm-hmm. on the base. Yeah, I was over at the camp. And that was, it was right around dusk. I could still see, and that son of a bitch hit that fucking Hesco. Tell the people what ODA means. So ODA is part of the organization of U.S. Army Special Forces groups. You have ODA, which is your basic line element. Uh, ODB, which is your company headquarters element. ODC, which is the battalion headquarters. And you have ODD, which is Delta Force. These guys' specific job when we were there was to help train up the Afghan army. So when I was over at their camp, I would assist with, you know, if we had to chuck them around, you know, guarding the base, whatever, because we were, we were about what one or two miles away from the actual fob, but within a Afghan camp. So, kind of an interesting situation. But yeah, it was a weird situation. Base inside of a base. Yeah, base inside of a base. Yeah. Uh, I didn't design it. Thank God. These are just two examples of the many times in Afghanistan where we had to have the mindset that we were already dead and we weren't making it out of there alive so that we could function as normal soldiers. Civilians, on the other hand, have the exact opposite reaction to violence. They just want to retreat at the first sign of it. They want to get away from it. They want everything to be complete status quo. They want to continue where they were. They want to be in their element of comfort i thought just occurred to me i was listening to a book on killing and the author mentioned uh, the fire flight response and he actually expounded on it uh, off of further research and he referenced it as fight flight freeze and posture so posture that fourth bit comes in when you're when you're talking about inter-species conflict. So, me to you, human to human. So, if we come into conflict, I can fight you, I can run away from you, I might freeze, or I'll try to posture, I'll try to be bigger than I am. That's where you get all of the war cries, who the holler, the, you know, all this is posturing, try to make yourself not seem like a soft target, make you seem bigger than you actually are. So, like, psychological warfare. Exactly. Well, I mean, it is. There are so many things that are psychological warfare, which is a episode in and of itself. Um, but things that are subconscious that you don't even think about. But to your point, a lot of that stuff got, you know, weeded out. A lot of that got, stuff got trained out. You know, when you go through basic, when you go through your AITs, all of your military training, all of your indoctrination process, further further indoctrination training at your unit, a lot of that gets snuffed out, but lots of civilians don't have that have that experience. And that then leads us into our next section, being physically strong. What do we mean by that? Your safety, liberty, and life are your responsibility. One of my favorite quotes involving being physically strong happened during a promotion board. A sergeant was in the board, you know, being asked questions, and one of the questions asked of him was, how do you stay in shape? And without batting an eye, the sergeant says, I pick up heavy things and put them back down. 
a little a little tangent and we'll get into physical fitness one of my favorite promotion board stories was my former squad leader i'm not going to shout him out but he was telling me that when he was going through his promotion board the sergeant major big boss asked him sergeant such and such or specialist such and such why should i promote you instead of the guy that's sitting outside you know, my squad leader looked at me and said, because f*** that guy, Sergeant Major. He didn't get promoted, but I thought it was a great answer. Talking about that, you know, that believing in yourself, that mental toughness. But physical fitness, so what I said earlier, what we have in our, in our bio, your safety, your liberty, and your life are your responsibility. We have become so accustomed to our way of life currently this little snippet of time in civilization that we have allowed ourselves to fall asleep on how the world actually is when you wake up in the morning you are not waking up with the sun to go and check on your animals and your farm you're not going out to go out and collect water you're not foraging for food you're not hunting with primitive tools most people can wake up to an alarm at 8 o'clock in the morning. If they need groceries, they can go out to the grocery store and buy them. Okay, there is no, there is no need to, to live hard as we have lived for generations. So what I mean by... What, what I mean why I'm, why, I'm trying to, why I'm trying to stress with the importance of this is... A great quote from 30 Seconds Out... No one is coming. It's up to us. At the end of the day, it's up to you. Because I think you have the average police response time. But say if you're, you know, your last name is Wayne, you're, you know, walking from an opera with your wife and your son, and you're, oh, I need to, you know, I need to cut through this alley, which is stupid, by the way. Um, but do you think that you can just call 911 if you're getting mugged like currently in that moment can you call 911 no no it's it's up to you to protect yourself and your family so if you you know let's not even say in a violent scenario say your car breaks down and you're out in the middle of nowhere but you know that you passed a gas station 5 miles back that way okay can you conceivably walk that far so you're basically saying that people in today's society have just gotten too comfortable with things being easy and accessible yes times are hard if you haven't noticed times are extremely hard what was that police response time by the way so the average police response time in the united states involving an active shooter it varies but it could be anywhere from 5.4 minutes to over 20 minutes. That is a long, long time for police to get on scene when there's an active shooter and lead is flying. That's an absurdly long time. That is not a situation I want to find myself in. If they go in at all, looking at you, Parkland. It could be worse. It could be Broward County. You could be a UPS guy in Broward County getting shot by police when a guy's got a gun on you. Let's go for a slightly, uh, you know, less toxic scenario. Say you're out hiking with your buddy. All right. 
you're hiking your, with your buddy. You guys have hiked this trail dozens of times. No issue. Five miles. Go down to the valley. Come back up on the other side. You're good to go. But then your buddy trips, wrecks his ankle, and also on the way down, he goes ahead and gets his leg impaled on a, on a stick. Whoa. Talk about some bad luck here. You do not have soul reception. And you carry minimal you know, medical equipment because you're an idiot. But your buddy can get help at the lodge two miles away uphill. It's a situation, but if you can't get help, you are the help. So you need to be physically fit for that. Which means you're going to have to have first aid for one. There's a lot, a lot of aspects we can break down in this. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you're going to have to carry your friend. He's not going to be able to walk or, you know, not well. You're going to have to carry him two miles to a cabin just so we can get some help. Just first line, just first aid. That's going to suck. So let's say you can get your buddy there. Mm -hmm. Let's say you get him there. You get him first aid. Then you call for emergency response vehicles. That's when things can get hairy. Because you've only done first aid, so you're waiting on transport to the nearest hospital, which could be pretty far away. But even then, the average response time for emergency vehicles, which again varies, but it could be seven minutes. And you're in the medical field. You know a lot can happen in seven minutes, especially with an impaling wound. Right. Well, a huge concern there is if someone's trying to help their buddy and they don't have the know-how. Oh, they can make things a lot worse. They make it so much worse. So, you know, friendly PSA, I can throw a link to whatever guide if you want. If you have an impaling injury, don't pull the thing out. Please. I was about to ask you, to explain what the number one thing people try to do when they have an impaling injury is. If you have an impaling injury, please do not pull it out. Now I'm going to have to link it. But the reason I say this, the reason I say this is because you do not know what's going on inside. If you have an impaling injury, they that could be, you know, slashing a blood vessel. That could be in an artery. You don't know. So if you want, go ahead and pull that out, it's like laying the floodgates open. And to give you a to give you a real life reference, okay, if you have impaling injury in your femoral artery and you pull that out, your buddy's gonna be dead in a few minutes. And there's nothing you can do to help him. It ain't gonna be seven minutes. No. He'll probably be dead in less than five. If that, your femoral artery is the size of a garden hose. And you have liters. You have liters of blood to to play with. It's it's not good. You should probably explain to people what the femoral artery is so they have an idea. Oh, boy. All right. So so the vascular system, okay. So your heart, okay, heart is a muscle, pumps blood through your body. The femoral arteries branch off of the inferior vena cava, the main, the main artery going down the middle, okay, from your heart, branches off down your legs. So that's, what, that's the avenue that blood travels from your heart down to your toes. And back up. Insane amount of blood <laughs> running through there. So if you have an injury to that, very super horrible, no good, very bad day. And just don't don't pull things out. Don't pull things out. We're gonna have a lot of medical guides. A lot of medical guides. I you know went through all the you know 
first responder stuff while I was in the army. I got out of the army and went through school to be a nurse, currently working as a nurse. We have a friend of ours coming on who has a ridiculous amount of experience in the field in the army we have a pa we hope to have come on so we have a lot of talent we have a lot of years of experience coming to the table so we're really gonna try to flesh out um our medical talks not just for emergency medicine but also for for daily maintenance with the idea that you're going to have to rely on yourself at some point and you never know how unprepared you are for something until something happens and, you know, just a, a, you know, field exercise while I was in the army. Um, I thought I was pretty fit. I was, I was pretty fit at the time, but you're pretty fit. But then, you know, sometimes you have to carry, you know, six or 10 rucks up a mountain and you realize you're not as fit as you want to be. We're trying to raise the standard because the standard needs to be raised. You never know how unprepared you are until you need to be prepared or should have been and you need to be preparing now. You should have been preparing yesterday, but we're going to try to get everybody there. We're, we're talking about physical, you know, being physically fit, physically strong. Okay. Um, we're not really going into specifics with that. I don't have a background in, uh, in physical training really, but I really just want to really want to get people back to basics. Okay. So diet and exercise, your intake, your caloric intake should be equal to or lesser than your calorie expenditure. If you eat as much as you use in a day, your weight should stay about the same. If you eat less than the calories that you expend in a day, you should lose weight, you know, barring a medical, a medical, uh, diagnosis but good diet eat clean food exercise touch grass being physically strong is more than just being able to pick up heavy things and put them back down it's it's about being healthy it's about being able to do hard physical work and it's about having the physical endurance to do whatever you need to do during the day and be able to make it back home so when we were so when we were in the army, they'd have us do 12 mile rucks, 12 mile walks with a heavy backpack on. Yay. Um, but when you got back from the ruck march, you weren't done. The idea being that you should be able to do a 12 mile ruck march and then fight and then fight afterwards. So we're talking about being physically strong. You shouldn't, you shouldn't try to scrape by with the bare minimum. I mean, we lived on the third floor of our barracks. So after we were done doing our 12-mile ruck march, our 12-mile hike, whenever we got back to our our troop, not only then we would have to walk back to our barracks from that troop and go up to the third floor. And that's horrible with 40 to 70 pounds on your back after having just walked 12 miles with that same pack. It sucks. One out of five stars. Would not recommend one out of five stars uh, sir this is a wendy's anyways <laughs> physically strong if you're not an asset you're a liability with that being said let's go into being morally straight what are we talking about here morally straight when i when i think of that what 
why we wanted to talk about this, I feel like, when we were discussing this before the show. Um, I wanted this section to explain why we feel like we can have this podcast, why we feel like we're in the right, why we can speak about it with confidence and try to try to influence the culture. For me, that means, you know, I, I have a responsibility as a husband and a father to take care of my family. I also have a responsibility as someone who is physically, you know, fit, fitter, um, and with his knowledge base to take care of people who cannot. I see that as my responsibility to, to take care of people. And a lot of that has to do with just how I was raised, who I am. A lot of that has to do with my faith. But at the end of the day, I think that my job is to protect and preserve human life in all of its forms. This mental toughness, this moral backbone, this physical strength, this, this all ties together into into our job, into my purpose. So when you say it's your job, you're a civilian now, so we're talking about you just being a husband and a father, right? Right. So, so I say my job, job responsibility. I use them. I use those words interchangeably, at least in this conversation. So I see it as my, here's my word. I see it as my duty. Yeah, that's fair. So when I think of being morally straight, I'm thinking about just being honest, being a person of strong character and above all, doing the right thing when no one's looking. I mean, anybody can have the celebrity ideal where they expect praise for what they do. They expect someone to approve of what they're doing. And they only do the right thing when people are watching, when the cameras are on them. People of strong moral character don't require that. They'll go out, feed the homeless. They'll go out, pick up cigarette butts, whatever. They'll do it without people watching. Having integrity. Right, exactly. And people with strong moral character aren't going to do it to get to the attention. People that do that, your moral compass is so f***ed. So let's talk about having a moral compass. Your moral compass is your ability to determine between right and wrong. Your moral compass is determined by a person's beliefs and their judgments on what is right and wrong. And it can be shaped by a person's life experiences, upbringing, their social culture and their empathy for others. For me, a lot of this boils down to personal responsibility. I'm saying responsibility a lot, but we wouldn't be seeing a lot of stuff that's going on right now if people bucked up and took responsibility for their actions. Yeah, you're right. We have a lot of people out here getting canceled right now because of their actions. How many people have you heard of in the news that are getting canceled because they've sexually assaulted women, they've sexually harassed people, they've said racial comments, and it does come down to personal responsibility. These are also the same people who think that the government should run their lives day to day and determine what they as individuals should put in their body. Also not their job. Exactly. And in dealing with the government, I'm also reminded of a quote from the Pennsylvania Assembly and the reply to the governor written back on 11 November 1755. Think about that. 1755, and that still applies today. Anyway, the quote goes, those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. How true is that still today? The government has taken so many rights from us, and we will never get them back. Ever. And the government loves to take rights. Think about that. 
they instituted the Patriot Act, which basically allowed for the government to spy on their own people. And when that was set to end, instead of allowing it to end and giving us our rights back, they passed the Patriot Act too, which did exactly what the Patriot Act did, but more. And we still have not gotten our rights back. I just want to throw out there the, the Whiskey Rebellion. You know, right after you know going through an entire war over uh, tea tax, we went ahead and got a whiskey tax as well, just for funsies, you know. So the government is not your friend. We got off on this tangent, but we're talking about personal responsibility, not pushing off, passing the buck to somebody else, because at the end of the day, it's you and it's whatever you can live with. Long story short, just do the right thing. So the format that you heard today is what we're going to try to push in later episodes. So we're going to address comments, critiques, concerns from prior episodes because we want to be held accountable for what we say, what we put out. Okay, first and foremost, we're trying to educate people. We're trying to take our experiences, our knowledge, and we're trying to pass it on to you. We're trying to build a community of people that are better because that is what we need. We're going to try to pass off the information in a way that is concise, that is full to the best extent that we can. And when is not solely our idea or what we are saying, we're going to quote it. We're going to cite it for you so that you can look this up later. We're going to give you our references because we need integrity in this business. We're always open to comments, critiques, concerns. We're always open to questions. This might be a good time to fill people in on what we got coming up in the next few episodes. So our next episode is going to be about situational awareness. This is going to be pretty encompassing, and we're going to try to keep it down to a point where it's actually not causing everyone's eyes to glaze over, but we're going to try and put out as much information as we can. Later on, we're going to have an episode about mental health, and we're going to try to destroy the stigma that surrounds mental health and the process of getting help for it. That'll do it from us here. Thanks for tuning in. If you haven't already, subscribe, download, share it with your friends. We appreciate each and every one of you. We've got a lot of good content coming up for you guys. So stay tuned. Bye, everybody.